Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. As I was preparing for this message, or just really just waiting upon the Lord, I heard these words in my spirit, participating in prosperity, participating in prosperity. We know if you, if, and if you've been here any length of time in this church, you know that it's God's will to prosper us. One verse that we often quote is over in third John, second verse says, Beloved, I pray above all things, I, I ask above all things, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so we know that God wants to prosper us in every arena of life, spirit, soul, body, finances, which is particularly what this verse is talking about. Most of the time, prosperity can be applied across the board, but most of the time, not only in our English today, but in Bible times, the word prosperity was referring essentially and primarily to material prosperity. God is interested in our prosperity. But this word came to me, or this, this title came to me, participating in prosperity. Because, you know, prosperity is not something that just falls on us. It's something that we participate in. We get involved in our prosperity. God works with us in our prosperity. Amen. Look at your neighbor and just put a big old smile on your face. It won't hurt you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Might shock your neighbor, but. (laughs) In order to understand what the Bible has to say about prosperity, it is absolutely essential. It's the most foundational part of the doctrine or the understanding of, pro- of prosperity, the most foundational thing is understanding our covenant. If you don't understand the covenant, if you don't understand the history of the covenant that we're in today, you'll never really grasp biblical prosperity. It'll always be elusive to you. And without understanding the covenant you will, I I can almost assure you, I can say with almost certainty that if you don't understand the covenant, you will fall prey to uh, traditions of men that will rob you in the area of finances. Because virtually all of the religious traditions in the church that, that tend to undermine our prosperity, all of them operate because of a lack of knowledge of the covenant. And so in understanding the covenant, I want you to to look at the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. We have to understand that the covenant that we have with God today, the new covenant began specifically with Abraham, God's dealings with Abraham. Now God God entered into covenant with Noah. But the covenant with Noah is not the same as the covenant that God entered into with Abraham. The, God, the, the covenant that God entered into for, with Noah had to do with all mankind. The covenant that God entered, entered into with Abraham had to do with God's chosen people among humanity. Among all of the families of the earth, among all the nations of the earth affected by the covenant that God entered into with Noah, you take one group out, God separated a people unto himself from all other men. On the face of the earth. And so what God did with Abraham. And understanding the covenant is very important. So let's look. We're going to read quite a few verses here. And try not to make a whole lot of comment uh, on them. Because we're, we're trying to uh, uh, move along here. You know me. <laughs> in, in Genesis chapter. I see I just turned the clock on just now. So I'm just starting. Praise the Lord. Now that now the Lord had said to Abram. You know, his name, Abraham's name was previously Abraham. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you 
and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now I want to point this out. This, this is not the covenant. At this point, God had not entered into covenant with Abel. We don't hear the word covenant until we get over in the 15th chapter. These were promises that God made to Abraham to get him moving in the right direction. He promised him certain things and gave him instructions. He said, I want you to get out of your house, out of your nation, away from your family, and go someplace I'm going to show you. And then he promised him that I'll bless you. So now, now the promise that he made to him became part of the covenant. Don't misunderstand me. But he had not entered into covenant at this time with Abraham. He was waiting on Abraham to see what he would do. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he, had, when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired. I want you to notice that Abraham was already prosperous. Abraham was already prosperous, but he was about to become a whole lot more prosperous. Some people have this idea, well, you know, that whole prosperity stuff, Pastor, I, I wish you wouldn't talk about that too much. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I have a, you know, I, God's blessed me and I've got nice stuff and I've got a secure, you know, retirement and everything's okay. And I just don't like you talking about that. I'm telling you, God has so much more for you. If you would just open your heart, amen. So Abraham was already, Abram was already blessed because he had all of these uh, uh, slaves that he had acquired the, and, and that was common in those days. All of the people in his company, big household, and he and Lot both, they departed to go to the land of Cana. So they came to, so they came to the land of Cana. Uh, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to him, to Abram. Now see, he's just making some promises to him, to him and then responding to Abraham's obedience. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now this is really important too. I'm reading from the new King James, which I like. But the original, the older King James says, and to your seed. And in my Bible, there's a, there's a notation next to the word descendants. And it says literally seed. That becomes very important as we go forward. To your seed. It's singular to your seed. Now, we understand that, that that means, in one sense, it means his descendants. So the translators here in the New King James translated it descendants. Every time in the passages that we're going to read today from, from chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, you say, oh, Lord, are we really going to do that? Every place you see the word descendants, because sometimes, like in this verse... Uh, it said descendants and it said literally seed. It gives a notation. Other places it says descendants and it doesn't give a notation. It's the same Hebrew word. It's the same Hebrew word all through these passages. So he said that, uh, he said to your seed, I will give this land. And there Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him and so on. Uh, drop down to the 13th chapter. Chapter 13 and let's look at verses number. Now, now notice verse two. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. So he was a rich man. And when he and Lot had separated themselves, they had so many possessions that they could not dwell together. Can you imagine having so much stuff that you can't even live with anybody else because your stuff and their stuff is too much and the land can't even bear all your stuff? You should imagine it. Amen. So anyway, he separated himself from, from uh, Lot. And the Lord said to Abram, verse 14, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. All the land which you see, I give to your descendants. Again, the notation there in my Bible is the word seeds. But the next verse, it's meant that word descendants is used twice it's the same Hebrew word. To all your land which you see 
For all the land which you see, I give to you and to your seed forever. I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants or your seed could also be numbered. So when he's talking about that, he's, ta- he's not saying that you can actually number your descendants. Just like you can't number the dust or the sand that's, that's on the earth in such a way you can't number all of your descendants is what he's saying, all your seed. So uh, let's go on from 14 or from 13 over to chapter, uh, let's go to chapter 17. No, it's chapter 15. Go to chapter 15. Now we're going to come back to the 14th chapter a little later, but I want to start in chapter 15 and, and we'll see what this is referring to. After these things, that is the things that happened in the previous verses, chapter 14. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring." Indeed, one born in my house. In other words, one of my servants is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he, the Lord, brought him outside and said to him, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be. I want you to notice he had said before, if you can count the dust of the earth, then you can count your your descendants are going to be as the dust of the earth. Here he said your descendants are going to be like the stars of heaven. He's making a distinction in Abraham's natural descendants and his spiritual descendants. His natural descendants would be the natural seed of Abraham. And we read about this in, in the New Testament, that there was those, there, there are the seed or the, or the descendants of Abraham according to the flesh through Hagar. But it talks about the seed that comes from heaven. That's the new, that's the new creation church. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that. He said, uh, says in verse, in verse 6, And he, Abraham, or Abram, believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And, he, and Abram said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down late afternoon, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to Abram, No, certainly that your descendants, your seed, will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. He's talking about the, the Egyptian captivity. He said, they will be strangers in a, land, in a land that is not theirs and serve them, and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall go out with great possessions. His, he said, your descendants are going to leave this place of captivity with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, that is the children of Israel, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark. Remember, he had cut these birds and so forth in uh, in pieces and and, uh, laid them uh, opposite each other. And, and, and he, the, the other animals, the birds, he, he didn't cut into, but the other ones he did. So he has this, this sacrifice laying out. He said, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a, burn, a burning torch that passed between those pieces. We don't have time to go into today, it, it today because it's not the, the, the scope of what I'm talking about. But this was the Lord Jesus Christ coming down and walking through those sacrifices. 
And it was, a, it was an awesome, fearful uh, uh, scene to behold. It says that Abraham, that Abram, a deep sleep fell upon him and a horror and a great darkness. And so it said that a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. This is when God actually entered into covenant with him, saying to your seed, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenzanites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, and uh, the Rephium, the Amorites, the, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So he said, all of these people inhabit this land. He said, I'm giving you all of their land. Well, praise the Lord. And, and it's still true today. Amen. Now go with me now to the 17th chapter. And let's start in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you. Now, in, in chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abram. But Abram hadn't reciprocated yet. God made a covenant with him. Here he's saying, I will make my covenant between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. Now notice verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. And your descendants after you and their generations. For an everlasting covenant. Let me ask you how long is everlasting? It Would everlasting still be going on today? An everlasting covenant. Now listen, to be a God to you and to your descendants after you. I want you to, to hold your place and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He was saying that your people are going to be my people. And I'm going to be a God to you and to your people, your descendants, your seed. Well, we, we have the same thing in the New Testament. Here in, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 16, says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. We have been made part of the Abrahamic covenant. We'll see that a little more clearly as we go on, but I just wanted to point that out. The language is the same. Now let's go back to the 17th chapter. It said, I will, verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you. He hadn't done it yet. He's only stated his part of it. He said, but I'm going to establish it between me and you and your generations after, uh, and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and to your descendants after you. Also, I will give to you and your seed after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Glory to God. Uh, let's see, let's, let's go down to the 19th verse. You know, Abraham had this, this uh, son through Hagar, Ishmael, got into unbelief. But uh, the Lord said, you know, to him that, that in, in the 17th chapter, he said, I'm going to visit Sarah and she's going to have a son. And Abraham fell on his face, verse 17, and laughed. 
said in his heart, shall a, man be, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God very sternly said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. Notice the covenant was with Abraham, but it was also with Isaac. We're going to find out it was also with Jacob. It was also with all of the 12 tribes of Israel. That was the natural seed, but it's also passed down to the spiritual seed, who is Christ. He said, I'm entering into covenant with you. He said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants as, and, and with his seed after him. Verse 18 and 19. Uh, yeah, well, let's go now to chapter 22. I'm trying to move as quickly as I can. God was, God was talking about covenant. He started out with promise. He gave him certain promises. Those promises became part of the covenant. And after Abraham obeyed, then God began to talk about the covenant. But he was still waiting on Abraham to do something. In order for this covenant to be solidified, Abraham had to offer his part. If you study, if study covenants, not only in the Bible, but in antiquity and in, in, in various nations uh, historically, when people entered into a covenant, it wasn't just a deal. If, if two landowners had adjacent uh, land and there were threats, enemies or, you know, robbers or, you know, people in, in, the, in the vicinity that would conduct raids on your property and steal your crops and your livestock stuff. If, if two neighbors went into covenant with one another, they both pledged to each other everything they had. And they said, what I have is yours. What you have is mine. I will protect you. Anybody comes against you, they've come against me. If I even hear of, a, of any uh, uh, invasion one step into your property, I'll get all of my hired servants. I'll get all of my army. I'll get all of my people. And we'll come and we'll stand side by side. We're one people. Now, these covenants could not be broken. Once they entered into, they were in, uh, 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 indissolvable. You could, not, you could not break them. And if you did, if you ever violated the covenant, the other person had a right to kill you because covenants were serious. So God was talking about entering into covenant with Abraham, but he needed something of like value. He needed something of like commitment from Abraham. So in chapter 22, we have uh, the account of, of how that happened. In chapter 22, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, he said, I want you to go. Let's look at verse one. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abram, Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now notice he said, I want you to take your son, Isaac, your only son. Now we know that he had Ishmael, but as far as the son of promise, this was his only son. He said, I want you to go to the, to the mountains of Moriah, the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a sacrifice on one of the mountains. Now, the land of Moriah is made up of all of the uh, mountains that surround what is now known as Jerusalem. It wasn't called Jerusalem at this time. It was called Salem. Later became Jerusalem. But the, the land of Moriah encompasses the mountain. There's a mountain called Moriah. There's Mount Zion, there's the Mount of Olives, and there's Calvary. Calvary was actually the highest mountain of, of this range around Jerusalem. He said, I want you to go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, you cannot prove from the Bible that what happened happened on Mount Calvary. But when you read this, notice it says that uh, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood on the, uh, for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. That would indicate perhaps that it was the tallest mountain. But we can't prove it. But it, it fits the typology. Because the typology in this account is clearly, Isaac is clearly a type of Christ. That Abraham was willing to offer his only begotten son and give him up. God was going to offer his only begotten son and offer him up on Calvary. He needed from Abram, Abraham something of like measure. He needed something that was equal in scope to what he was willing to do. He needed Abraham to be invested just like he was going to be invested. Well, let's just read the rest of this so that we'll get the whole scope. So on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Now notice he was going there to offer him as a burnt offering. He said, we're going, but we're coming back. Oh, glory to God. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. That was his faith speaking. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. That's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, I believe, in, I believe, this is just my belief, I believe the Mount of the Lord was Mount Calvary is where this happened, but I can't prove it, but I'm not the only one who believes it either. Then the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply to your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. That's natural descendants and spiritual descendants. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. What does that mean? That means your descendants will have authority in this life. Glory to God. Praise God. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Glory to God. This is where, and this is when the covenant between Abraham and Isaac was finalized. This is when, this is when the deal was sealed, so to speak. God entered into covenant with Abraham. Because Abraham was willing to offer up his only begotten, just like the Lord would have, God would have to offer up his only begotten. Uh, the blessing that, that passed down to the, to the natural seed of Abraham. 
you see it spelled out. When after the children of Israel went into bondage, you know, in Egypt for 400 years, when they came out, through the law of Moses, Moses began to talk about the blessings and the curses. The blessings, if you obeyed the Lord, were the blessings of Abraham. That's what the blessings were. That's, that's, what they, that's where they came from. The blessings that would come upon the children of Israel would come upon them because of Abraham. There were curses involved if they disobeyed. Many bad things would happen to them. And he told them, just like someone said recently in one of the messages, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose blessing. We have to choose blessing. We have to choose life. We have to choose the blessing of Abraham. But let's just read a little bit about the blessing of Abraham before we go any further. Go with me over to Deuteronomy. And let's start. Hold your place in Deuteronomy 6. But, but uh, just hold your place there and then go with me over to the 105th Psalm. Psalm 105. Oh, thank God. I believe we'll get to Deuteronomy 6 sometime. Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all of his wondrous goodness or his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done. His wonders and, his judge, and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham his servant. You children of Jacob his chosen one. He's telling the seed of Abraham to remember the Lord. To give thanks to the Lord. To talk about all of his wondrous works. All of the great things he's done. So then he begins to rehearse all of the great things that have happened. He goes on to say, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. What covenant? The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham. And his oak to Isaac. And confirmed it to Jacob for a statute and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. It belonged to Israel, the natural seed, as the sand by the seashore, as the dust of the earth. There could not be numbered. That's this, this, the blessing belonged to them, but it also belongs to the spiritual seed. Goes on saying, I give, I, to you I give the land of Canaan. As an uh, allotment for your inheritance, when they were few in number, indeed very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sake, saying, "Do not touch my anointed ones; do my prophets no harm." He's talking about uh, Israel when they left Egypt and they and they were going to place to place. He protected them from all of the other kingdoms and all the other peoples. So he talks about all the things that he did, you know, in delivering them from, from, uh, from the land of Egypt. Verse number 37, he also brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among his tribes. Why? Because of covenant. Because of covenant. Prosperity and health are in the covenant that God made to Abraham. Egypt was glad when they departed. For the fear of them had fallen upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night. The people asked and he brought quail and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It ran in the dry places like a river. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Why did he do this? For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. I was talking to a man one time and he was struggling physically. 
And he was getting older in life. He's a little bit older than me. And, and he was talking about all of his aches and pains and all the stuff he was going through. And I said, well, you know, God brought the children of Israel, Israel out and says there was not one feeble among all his tribes. And this man was very religious. He said, yeah, he did that, I know. But he, 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 he made them strong because of the journey that was ahead of them. That's not why he did it. It says right here why he did it. Verse 42 is why he did it. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. Because of the covenant, he brought his children out with silver and gold. He had already predicted when they leave, they're leaving with great possessions. And he brought them out with silver and gold and they were all healthy. No one feeble. In, in the entire company, several million people, men, women, and children came out in the middle of the night with all of their livestock and all of their possessions and silver and gold and nobody was feeble. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 10. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, Houses full of all good things which you did not fill. My wife and I claim this, claim this promise quite often. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said he'd fill our house. Glory to God. Houses full of all things, good things which you did not fill. Hewn out wells which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord. See, that's the big thing right there. People forget God. If you, won't, if you don't forget God, if you stay faithful, you can have everything. Oh, glory to God. Amen. It's true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wrote something down wrong because I've got the 28th verse of chapter 6. <laughs> And there ain't one. <laughs> Glory to God. Go on over to uh, chapter 7. Verse 6 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Well, you know where I'm turning now. First Peter, you do know where I'm turning, right? First Peter, chapter two, verse number nine says, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Well, here in Deuteronomy, he said, you will be his special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. But here he says, we're part of that. We have to be part of it or he's got two groups that, he's, that, he's, that are more special than anybody else. How can that be? No, it's, it's part of the covenant. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Go back to Deuteronomy 7 again. The Lord did not set his love upon you, verse 7, nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the covenant, the oath which he swore to your fathers. Listen, we've not, as the church, God didn't choose us because we were somebody. We were nobody. New Testament says that we were that we were aliens from the commonwealth of, of, of promise. We were without God and without hope in this world. Nobody, no future. We're somebody today, but not because of who what we've done. We're somebody because of what's he what he's done. We're somebody because he was merciful to us when we were nobody. We're not, we're not nobody anymore. We're somebody now. 
but we're somebody because of him. Oh, glory to God. He said, but because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, who were the fathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of, of, of Egypt. Oh, glory to God. We've been delivered from the authority of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's New Testament fulfillment right there. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Verse 12, and it shall come to pass because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. I came in here this morning and through this door and there was like 15 kids in the floor out here. He's multiplying us, glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, there were rug rats crawling everywhere here this morning. He will love you, bless you and multiply you. The margin says, calls you to increase. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the, and the fruit of your land. That just means your descendants. Amen. Your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land which he swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male nor female barren among you or among your livestock. The Lord will take away from you all sickness. All of this is the blessing of Abraham. It's all part of the promises, plural, that he made to him. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Verse number, chapter eight. The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his judgments, his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I can command you this day, lest when you eat and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Drop down to verse 17. You say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. This is a, this is a warning to the seed of Abraham. God will lavish upon you more than you can imagine. You'll eat bread without scarcity. You'll have abundance. Your silver and gold will be multiplied. We don't have necessarily all of the things they talked about. We don't live in that same kind of culture. But if we had all of the things, we'd, our, our, our stalls and our barns would be breaking out. We'd have hundreds and thousands of head of cattle. We'd have crops. We'd have everything you can. Today, he blesses us differently. But the blessing's still there. Yeah. It's abundance of material blessing. Abundance of material blessing. Glory to God. But if you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth, know you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Glory to God. This day, this day was 400 years after he gave it to Abraham. He's still calling it this day because the covenant is fresh every day. When God speaks a blessing and a command, it's fresh every day. It doesn't pass away. When God says, my blessing is on you, it's on you today, tomorrow, and the next day. It, God doesn't back up. He doesn't turn back from what he said. And today in 2021, it's as it is this day. Glory to God. For it is the Lord who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead just a little bit and just, and just tell you what the power is that gets wealth. He said, the Lord gives you the power to get wealth. That, when he said, the Lord gives you the power to get wealth, it wasn't power in some abstract thing like a, you know, like a spiritual power. The power to get wealth is in giving. Giving is the power to get wealth. That's what unlocks the wealth. He said, I give you the power to get wealth, but you have to participate in it. You have to participate in it. And if you cut corners, and if you're stingy, and if you hold back when God says give, you're, you're cutting off the power to get the wealth. Amen. Because God has given you the power to get wealth. What's that in your pocket? What do you have? What has God given you? When God speaks to you either from the word or by the spirit about what you have in your pocket, that, that's the power right there. That's the power right there. That's the, that's the thing right there that'll cause that transaction to start on your behalf. Pastor Greg said this morning, we give, giving's not the ending. In giving is the beginning of having your need met. Because giving is where the power is. Glory to God. If we could just get people to see that. So, well, you're just after something. I'm not after anything. I'm wanting to see people understand the, the key, where the power is. Oh, glory to God. Go with me then to Galatians 3, and we'll, we'll, we'll try to stop with this. Galatians 3. Well, praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 3. And I've... Uh, oh, it's a lot here. <laughs> Verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Notice that when, that when God promised Abraham, he said, I will do these things for your seed. The the translators understood that it meant all of those who, who followed him, his natural descendants. But he was very important. And the Holy Spirit in the New Testament pointed out that he never said seeds, plural. He always said seeds, singular. The seed, he said here, is Christ. When God made covenant through Abraham, he was really making covenant with his seed, with Christ. God the Father one day was going to enter into covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ was going to lay down his life on the cross, on Calvary. He's going to, he was going, that's, how, that's how Jesus ratified the covenant. He ratified it with his own blood. Abraham had a type of that to offer. He was willing to offer his son. Of course, God stopped him before, before he took uh, Isaac's life. But he was willing to do it. And it prefigured Christ. And when, and when Abraham did that, God found a man. He said, I found a man. I found somebody. I, he, I can bring Christ into the earth as the descendants of this man. Oh, glory to God. He was really making a covenant, yes, to Abraham, but to Christ. Down through the ages. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right on down through the nation of Israel, right on into the New Testament to a family where Mary lived. Glory to God. And Joseph lived. And right on into that family, he found the Christ, the seed. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. 
Now I say to you, verse 17, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the, for if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. If the law, is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the spirit has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all who believe. For before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, now listen to this verse. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, this isn't talking about water baptism. This is talking about spiritual baptism. When you accepted Christ and you called him Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, God baptized you into Christ. Not water baptism. He placed you into Christ. He made you one with the, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. That's what, the, that's what the expression in Christ means. It means in union with Christ. We are one with him. Oh, glory to God. For you are all sons of God through faith in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For as many of, of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile, we should say. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. There is neither black nor white nor, nor Asian nor Hispanic. There, none of these earthly distinctions mean anything. He said, you, n- n- no, you are all one in union with Christ Jesus. Ooh, glory. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Romans says we are joint heirs with Christ to all of the promises. Oh, glory to God. Go back to verse number 13, same chapter. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law. You go back in Deuteronomy and read the curse of the law. The curse was sickness, poverty, trouble, destruction, anguish, sorrow, Loss of family, loss of everything. So Christ has purchased our freedom from all of that. Glory to God. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in union with Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I heard somebody say, yeah, now, when you talk about the blessing of Abraham coming among the Gentiles, it's, it's the, the promise there is, is the promise of the Spirit, that you'd, ha- that you'd have the Spirit. Well, let's go on down. Verse 16 says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. The promise of the Spirit is just one, but there are other promises. Amen. Said, I, I'll be a God to you. You'll be my people. It's one of the promises. He said, I'll bless everything you put your hand to. It's one of the promises. Many, many, many promises. Glory to God. The blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles in union with Christ Jesus. When you understand the covenant, you'll, you'll no longer be afraid of money. You'd be surprised how many people are afraid of money. They want it, but they don't want it. They want a little bit, but they're afraid they'll get too much. And, and they really don't like other people with a lot of it. How much, how, how much is, is enough? Well, just a little bit more than I have, but less than you have. That's what most people, that's what most people believe. Well, now there's no reason for somebody to have that much money. Well, who said? 
that person probably doesn't agree with you. And you think it's okay for you to have what you have. There's a lot of people don't have what you have. And they probably say think the same thing about you. When you understand the covenant, you forget all that stuff. All that judging one another and sizing one another up and who's got what and how much should I have and how much should you have, how much is too much and how much is enough to get by. He never said he'd give you enough to get by. He said he'd give you enough to have all that you need, praise God. Fully supply, abundance of possession, have everything. Silver and gold multiplied, money multiplied, possessions multiplied. Just don't forget the Lord. See, now, now we get excited about those things and there's nothing wrong with that as long as we keep our heart right. I think, I know I've said it many times, but I heard somebody say it recently. I don't know if it was here or on, on, on TV or online, but somebody said something that I've said many times. The promises of God are obviously meant to, to motivate us. The scripture I've always read, you know, that... Uh, 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 how does it, you read it sometimes too, Greg, and I'm, I'm up here and my mind's not operating. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9. God is able. Yeah, thank you. I just needed you to prime it and get it going. Glory <laughs> to God. Oh, hallelujah. God is able to make every favor and earthly blessing, blessing come to you so you can just barely get by. Is that what that says? He'll make all of the earthly blessings come to you in just enough measure to just get you over this month. Just to have you a nice little car and a nice house and, and a few nice things and just provide for you and your little descendants and, and that's all. No. Every favor and earthly blessing will come to you in abundance so that you will always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient. Possessing enough to provide no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God wants us, all of us, to be at the place in life where when there's something God lays on our heart, there's a good work that witnesses to our heart that we can give in, give to, that we have money to give into it. We don't have to sit back and say, I don't know, where's this going to come from? But I'm going to tell you something. It starts when you don't know where it's going to come from. If my wife and I had waited until we could afford to be generous, we'd have never been generous. Well, when my pastor, when my ship comes in, I'm going to really be a blessing. Your ship's never coming in. Because what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You might not have as much in your, in your hand as, as somebody else has, but what's in your hand? Be generous with what you have and God will elevate you and bring you up. It's called participating in your prosperity. God, God, God has given us the prosperity. That's our covenant right, but we have to participate in it. There's a law of sowing and reaping that God put in the earth. And he intends that we operate in that generously. Let each one give as he determines in his heart. As he thinks in his heart. Not, not grudgingly. Not, what did it say in the Amplified Bible? Yeah, but you know all those other things it said. <laughs> you read it this morning anyway. <laughs> not, but he said, not, 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 with, not with, you know, fear or, or anything. Give generously. Oh, glory to God. God loves it when we give generously. And freely, if it's if it's just if it's just a if it's just five dollars, and that's the best you can do. Just do it generously. That's generous. That's generous. That can be generous, but God knows whether it's generous. <laughs> yeah, I was in service one time. We this is years ago. We had a service in here where you know I never promoted this. It, there was a, a thing going on for a long time where people would run down in church services and put money down front, you know. I never promoted that, never said anything about it. It happened like twice or something, you know. But in one service, God just moved that way, I guess. I guess people were obeying the Holy Ghost. They came down and started putting money down right down here in the front. And after church, this man told me, now this, was, this man had a really good job. 
I mean, he had a, he, 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 it was a well-paying job. And he told me, he said, I couldn't believe what happened to me. He said, I, I, I ran down the front and I threw that money down. He said, as I threw it down, I saw that $20 bill coming out of my hand. I went, whoa. I know he thought he had really upset the heavens. It was a man that made good income. And he was shocked that he had given $20. God knows whether you're generous or not. $20 might be, might be very generous to one person. It might not be for you or me. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. When God wants us to participate, he wants to prosper you. He wants to prosper you. I'll tell you what, Michael is so cool. I don't know how he does this. He knows when I'm about to stop, he just comes right up here. I ought to take another text. I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Glory to God. God wants to prosper us. He wants us to take us to a level where we have so much that we have become such a blessing. It's okay to get excited. It's okay to, to, you know, to lift your hands and get excited when I talk about you know, the blessing of God, silver and gold. It's okay. But the purpose is he wants us to be in a place where we can be generous to do for the work of God. We can give to others. We can be a channel through whom blessing flows. But when you're, you know, counting every little penny, you know, you, you're, you can't be used of God the way he wants you to. Oh, glory to God. He wants reservoirs. He said, I'll bless your storehouses. We ought to have more than one storehouse. More than one reservoir that we put goods in and money or whatever we have so that we can have things we can share with people. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your blessing. We thank you, Lord, that you want to prosper us. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm glad, Father, that that you don't want to ruin us. I'm glad you don't want us to be poor. I'm glad you don't want us to be downtrodden and just live hand to mouth, so to speak. I'm thankful, Father, that you want us to have abundance because you are a God of abundance. Glory to God. Every need supplied. Every need supplied and plenty left over to be a blessing to others. I thank you for that, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Help us, Lord, to grow in our vision where, when it comes to money and prosperity. Help us to enlarge our thinking so that we can see money and possession the way you see it as something that we have the power to lay hold of you've given us the power to get it so that you may establish your covenant in this earth glory to God and it's going to take it's going to take the body of Christ rising up taking its place not being ostentatious vulgar about it showy about it that, that's, that's not what you're talking about you're talking about men and women living quietly and humbly before you but full of every good thing just blessed coming and going finances coming in blessing and, and giving flowing out but not with an attitude of, of showfulness or pride or showing off or thinking we're better than somebody else. We remember, Lord, that you didn't choose us because we were somebody great. We were the least of all when you chose us. You chose us because of the covenant that you made with Abraham so that you would demonstrate your covenant and your mercy in our lives. Glory to God. We will stay mindful. We will stay mindful. We will stay balanced 
We will keep our heart right. You say, yes, we will. Yes, we will. You've given us the power to do it. And we thank you for that, Father. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.